Authority's Edge with Michael Pacheco, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Authority's Edge with Michael Pacheco is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Michael Pacheco. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to whoever you are, wherever you are, and whenever you're watching or listening to this podcast. Welcome to the Authority's Edge, brought to you by Strategic Advisor Board, where we speak to successful entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders, while we explore how leveraging trust and authority can give smart businesses a competitive edge. I'm your host, Michael Pacheco, Managing Partner at Boxer Media and Growth Marketing. And today with me, I have our guest, Michael King. Uh, Michael King is the founder and CEO of Teams.Coach LLC. He is a highly sought after executive and business leadership coach. He helps businesses uh, and business leaders clarify and execute at high levels through his proprietary Teams methodology to develop measurable business growth and company-wide collaboration. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It's great to great to hang with you again. Easy to remember those names. Um, yeah. So for uh, for those listening and watching, uh, Michael, you and I have have worked together in a in a number of different ways. You're currently a client uh, at Boxer, and we do uh, some some work with you on your uh, podcast and social media. Um, you know. What I'd like to do really is kind of kick this podcast off by kind of inviting you to talk a little bit about yourself and about what you do in your own words. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I get the privilege of being able to work with C-level leaders uh, and their teams to be able to, to, first and foremost, to clarify the vision and to be able to kind of mine the vision for maybe spaces that it hasn't actually extended to yet. Um, I do believe, by the way, just to clarify, I don't think that vision necessarily is negotiable when I'm working with a C-level leader. I just have to be able to find out what the true vision is. And sometimes the things that organizations make visible as their vision, sometimes they're just not exactly zeroed in. So I help them do that. Um, and then I work uh, with them to make sure that their system strategies and structures are there to to make sure that the vision can actually happen in the first place, that the culture is dialed in. And ultimately, at the end of the day, making sure that from, from C-level leaders all the way through uh, through full company uh, enterprise integration, that uh, we're you know, that we're, we're data driven and we're making right decisions and I'm able to help them perform like they've never, never performed before. Um, so that's the C, you know, the, that's the, you know, the C level leader things. So from some fortune 500 to fortune 1000 companies I get to work with, but I do get to yeah, opportunity. And I love working with uh, what I consider like really, really proficient solopreneurs and entrepreneurs that have a great vision and they're ready to go and kick it into gear. So um, those are some of my favorite people I get to work with. So. Awesome. I love it. In, in the context of, of your coaching and, and what you do and for your clients, how do you define trust and authority within the the context of business there? Yeah, so um, I think that trust and authority, especially when you, let's throw in another word in there as well. So culture is a huge, huge thing, right? Um, is that trust can get broken down into a, in a couple different ways, but um, ultimately at the end of the day, making sure that there's a certain level of understanding that's happening within your organization uh, really make sure that your culture is playing out the way that you want it to. Um, 
because without trust, or I'm sorry, without understanding, you really don't have trust. And so being able to zero in on, um, which by the way, <laughs> so two levels on that. So you have personal trust, like you and I, we have a personal, we have a business relationship, but I also know your character too, um, as a leader. So there's a certain level of, of trust that happens within the context of that relationship, but then there's also organizational trust. So the only way that you can really have that happen within your teams is making sure that there's a certain level of understanding what's expected of me, what's expected of our organization. What is the vision? What's our true North within the organization? What's expected of my role? Um, so really embracing those two ideas of leading into trust and the implications of that, of like, going, okay, is my vision clear and is our cultural initiatives, are they on a true, true North point? So we have organizational understanding. So we, so there can be organizational trust. Um, so those are, those are pretty big things that a lot of people are struggling with right now. Uh, can you talk, talk a little bit more about culture and how that plays into the idea of of trust and authority either within or without of an organization right because there's also a lot of this stuff the internal culture of an organization you know that's going to affect the the external the way that organization is perceived externally by prospects by by customers and clients by vendors yeah. partners well you've seen this i've seen this Typically, what ends up happening is that when you start talking about culture, you end up on these two different sides of the fence. What's your aspirational culture versus your real culture? Your real culture are the things that you can put a pulse on it, you know, like I can feel it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the tension between senior leaders always gets felt down at entry level places. And as much as I would love to say that that people don't feel those things, they actually truly do. So, um, so when working through just the culture piece on that, we have to be able to to be able to define, you know, uh, you know, what are we about? Why do we do what we do? And what are the behaviors that are that are completely aligned with our vision and our values within our organizations? Because those things, those are tangible things that end up creating the culture. Now, when it comes to culture, so if I'm working with you as a senior leader. And I start to to identify, you know, hey, let's identify culture. Let's talk about organizational effectiveness. Let's look at look at our our audience initiatives. Do you know are we more externally driven versus internally driven? Um, let's look at are we approachable, not approachable? Well, there aren't any really right answers when I'm working with a senior leader when it comes to diagnosing and saying, okay, let's get this culture thing dialed in. I just have to know that you that you know what it is and that you're being truthful with where you're at, because everybody else knows. And he, that's the thing is that culture is like this weird mirror to where it's like when you put a senior leader into a place and the board or even the executive team might come to you and say, this is our culture, this is who we are. But if you put somebody into those into those high level seats within an organization that don't reflect the, the cultural vision of an organization, you're going to get something different. So that's where it's it's a little bit like a mirror. So it's absolutely necessary. So if you're leading a team or if you're leading at high levels of leadership within within an organization... You have to know what the the aspirational culture is uh, within an organization, and does it actually meet up with the real culture of the organization? And more importantly, do you agree with it? And are you aligned with it? Yeah. Because if you don't, it's going to change everything. So aspirational versus real culture. How do you how do you close that gap as a as a, as a coach coming into an organization? 
Yeah. Well, a couple of those things is just by clarifying language and making sure that your internal communication strategy matches up with your external communication strategy or your marketing strategy. How many times have you experienced this before where you might be driving down the road and you see a billboard up on, on an interstate that's a big, bold marketing statement for a company? And you go, I don't necessarily know if that's true, right? <laughs> like I've, I've, I've experienced that on the big and the small. Yeah. Um, but um, when you're working with an organization, you have to be able to identify the, the, the variances within that. Again, it's not right or wrong. It's just the wider the gap. So one of the things that we use, we have an assessment tool that we use called Culture Pulse. And it's easy for me to be able to take and say, okay, let's identify first with clear language what the senior leader is all about and making sure that there's a communication strategy put into place to where every person on the team understands why the senior leader views things the way they do. The more that you get this into a really consistent cadence of communication and leadership development within your team, the more you're going to go ahead and tighten those gaps when it comes to some of those variances within your culture. The more that you stay away from it, the more that you keep it vague and elusive, the more that you're going to actually have a culture that doesn't necessarily reflect what you're all about. Mm -hmm. Like a really great example of that would be um, like, uh, do you guys have Popeye's chicken up there? Yeah. Right. Like here in the, here in the Midwest, like, so there's, you know, there's KFC. There's Chick-fil-A, there's Popeyes. And from the external all the way to the internal really develops in the experience that you create communicates everything about the culture, about the organizations that you want. Mm -hmm. um, like Chick-fil-A is really good with culture. They're world yep. famous for their culture pieces. Yep. Popeyes, you don't really talk about it that much because you can tell it's a little bit vague, right? So when you go in, the product is good. Like they are actually killing it with product development now in 2022 and beyond. I imagine, you know, they, they're really trying to keep up, but the thing that you hear consistently over and over again from people that, that visit Popeye's chicken is, well, their restaurants aren't that clean. Uh -huh. You know, they're, uh -huh. you know, like the, the experience of getting into a restaurant, it's just, you know, and that's, that's, that's word of mouth. That's not like, you know, necessarily Twitter fight or anything like that, but <laughs> But you can tell about the people that care about the details are the people that usually care about culture. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick uh, comment on, on Chick-fil-A. We do have, we have one Chick-fil-A out here as well. Um, and my, my wife, she's from Pennsylvania and she uh, had one of her friends, I think in high school used to work at Chick-fil-A in high school and their culture there was so good that they would actually I think she was telling me a story and, and, and her friend would like one of the, her managers at, at, at Chick-fil-A would help her with her homework because I mean, that the, the culture was just, it was like that, like a, a second family kind of a, kind of a vibe, you know? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I, I think, like you said, it's, it's there, they're, I don't know if it's world renowned, but certainly in, in, in United States, right. in the lower 48, pretty much everybody knows about Chick-fil-A and that they've got, you know, a, a pretty good culture there. So. Oh, absolutely. One of my, one of my team members um, was moonlighting just as a part-time gig uh, working at a Chick-fil-A mm -hmm. and he would come in and he would be working on projects with us and talking about his experiences there and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I was overhearing some of the conversations that he was having. And it was hilarious because people were talking to him as if he worked like for NASA, you know? <laughs> It's like, it's like people were, were so like enamored by, oh man, you're so lucky you get to work at Chick-fil-A, man. That's like the best place. And, and it's just like, and then, but then taking a step back, you're going, it's a fast food restaurant. Right. Like, right. you know, 
And, uh, but I love that. I love that. Um, I love that, that he was getting some, some big takeaways of leadership and how it consistent it was between, uh, locations and whatnot. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Michael, can you, can you share with me, with us an, an example, uh, of a time when you or one of your clients businesses has, has kind of directly benefited from having a high level of trust either within or again, within or without the company and, and that authority. Yeah. I think that I, I can speak to this directly. And I think that we, we, we use some of these mindsets when we're actually coaching our clients because, um, and especially like for you, um, now I started working with you, um, specifically regarding like LinkedIn campaigning and things like that. And, um, we had to really find the value in making sure that we had the right expectations on all fronts. It wasn't like just a LinkedIn thing, but, um, I think something happened in the world and I don't know exactly what it was, but it's probably because of COVID and everybody decided that they were going to be coaches and consultants moving forward and staying at home. I can, I can tell you directly right now, it was June of 2020 because, because we were boxer, we work exclusively with coaches and consultants like yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and we saw, I personally witnessed that uptick in June of 2020. So like the world kind of shut down in like April, May. And then in June, I think people were getting laid off and they were stuck at home and they were trying to figure out what to do with their time. And, and, and LinkedIn was inundated with a tsunami of coaches and consultants. (laughs) Well, and so, and here's the other side of that, of that experience. So in 2015, um, I was, I've been coaching leaders for a couple of decades now. Um, Mm -hmm. but I came from being an executive pastor, helping grow a mega church in the Midwest from, you know, 300 to 3000 ish multi-site locations. And I knew specifically that my life was taking a pretty drastic left turn, um, I just didn't know exactly when. So I took some initiative. I went back to school. I got my master's degree in organizational leadership. I got my master's degree in executive coaching. And so I'm like super pumped, like, cause we ended up launching our company in 2017 and um, we were welcomed because of the way that we do things and our team's methodology. And we'd never really had, when it comes to just natural inbound clients, because I'm speaking at conferences and because now with the podcast, et cetera, mm-hmm. we don't really necessarily have this massive need to be able to amp up our, our inbound. We had to develop our outbound strategies though, as COVID hit. Yeah. What we found was June of 2020, all of a sudden I'm not competing with experts. I'm competing with marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that, that's, it's that eight old, you know, age old adage that says, is that the right term? Does that even a term that I just said? But you get what I'm trying to say, right? No, that's right. That's that's legitimate. Age-old okay. added. But it's not necessarily who is the best. It's who's known the best. Uh-huh. And so, okay, fast forward to 2022 when it comes to authority. Um, so it happens to be that I'm super lucky that one of my uh, one of my clients happens to be a, a pretty large media conglomerate within um, within. Well, it's it's not just Midwest; it's nationwide. And one of those, one of my my peak benefits that I get from uh, by coaching this organization is that they publish a leadership article from me every single month. Mm-hmm. And you know, and sometimes we use those as opportunities to engage people through our social platforms. Sometimes we use those things just to give away resources. Sometimes we just give those things as thought leadership. So we kind of have this on a consistent cycle. Um, but having the expectation early on of saying, you know what? 
our social media platforms cannot be used necessarily just for conversion um, methodology from this point on. We have to get set into a rhythm of understanding that that you know when it comes to brand authority and what you're known for, what type of impact that you're going to make, you have to be. Uh, it's almost like the idea that maybe social has shifted into a place of more brand maintenance and brand authority than it is actually sales. And so, um, so we have found that you know our sweet spot of success and even the lack of pressure for us of just understanding is we have to consistently be a, a voice of credibility and authority and legitimacy in the spaces where everybody else is really trying to sell a lot of things. We are going to sell things. Um, we have to be able to pay the bills. We have to keep things going, but also at the same time, the thing that we're known for is dropping high level content, ridiculously generous resources all the time without expecting anything in return. Why? Because we just want to make a better difference for the people that we get to serve plain mm -hmm. and simple. And so you can't have authority and agenda at the exact same time. And you, and you have to wrestle with that a bit. I love that. I love that. And and obviously, because we work together and you are a client, obviously, we're going to have uh, similar opinions and viewpoints on this. But I just I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think this you are such a good fit for us as a client is because of the way that you see social media as a channel to your audience and it's not a sales channel as much as it's a relationship channel right and and we've you and I have talked about this before is the idea of of building relationships and building that trust by serving 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 and those relationships are naturally going to form trust will naturally build you will naturally become the authority because you're always the one who's there willing to deliver value, willing to teach, willing to serve at no cost with no, with no agenda. And I, I, I can't, yeah. I can't say how important I think that is. And this is, this is the idea, like a lot of people just call this, you can call this content marketing, right? It's really what it is, um, is you're, you're marketing yourself with content, but the idea behind it, as you, as you stated is to just deliver that value right? Help people. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think a lot of times people, when you, the closer that you get to desperation, the more that you realize that you might not have the authority that you wanted in the first place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so that's where some of these conversations, even with the clients that I serve, they get into this place to where they feel like that they need something right away. They need to have 10, you know, gen, you know, 10 qualified leads generated per month. And otherwise everything is just going to go to hell in a handbasket. Um, but okay, now fast track to 2022. Um, what are you doing to make the what are you doing every single day to make a, a single email? What are you doing every day to make you know 10 meaningful phone calls? What are you doing to show up at networking events? Again, the more that you do this a little bit with the with what you know, content mark content marketing, but also just some broadcast methodology and understanding that mm -hmm. these, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. All these are is TV stations. Mm. That's all they are. Sure. And so the more that you get known for something, the easier life is when you pick up a phone call or when, because even like if you go in and you log into my LinkedIn uh, advertising, uh, my the, into sales navigator right now today, sure. you're going to notice a drastic shift that we've had in the last six months. You're going to notice that you guys kind of handle our broadcast methodology, you know, some of our, just some of our general messaging. 
um, which you've really worked a lot with us to find out, okay, what messages work, which ones don't. Mm-hmm. But then we go in there and we go, okay, because you guys helped us lock in our LinkedIn um, profile and avatar and all that stuff. And and so in a way that we're now with a podcast, it's like, again, authority, authority, authority. We keep on pushing out valuable content without the expectation that there's something that we need from people. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, right? Yeah. But now when we do send out an email, like I sent out an email just the other day uh, here, it's, it's, it's what we call reset week. It's the week between, between Christmas and new year's. Right. Yep. And I'm not expecting anybody to really be in the office, but um, a fortune 500 leader, he, you know, I, I noticed his profile. He looked at, he looked at my profile and he accepted my friend request. And then, uh, so I sent him out a thing of saying, Hey, Dennis was looking at some of your data. Just turns out that, uh, that you're the exact type of client that I usually work with. Would love to, you know, have you as a guest for virtual coffee if you got some time immediately shoots back hey i'm really super curious about the type of data that you're looking at great let's talk about that and um you know and so we it's it is one of those things again so when you have the authority the 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 one-on-one conversations become so much easier Uh because you're known for something Uh but if you're not willing to if you're not willing to adjust your expectations people want the the really quick funnels and i i just think that those days are over with (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I like I like the idea that as you as you are delivering this value, creating this value, and just help it, just helping people, right? When it comes time for a sale, you don't have to make a sale. The relationship's already built. The trust is already there. It's it's a conversation about fit. It's not a conversation about. It's not a sales call. It's a fit call, right? Is this a good fit? And that's more what the conversation becomes focused on. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And by developing your authority, people will actually uh, to, will you know they'll have some of those before they even hop on a call with you. Before they even start looking at your you know going deeper into the well of your of your your assets and some of the some of your uh, the, the things that you bring to the table, mm-hmm. people will already know like whether or not that you're part of their tribe or not. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, again, some of those things you'll have to develop some of those things, but again, when it comes to the topic of authority and brand recognition and things like that, you know, you have to know what you're for versus way more than what you're against. And, um, and I think that that's one of the shifts that has drastically changed over the last couple of years is that people are just sick and tired of knowing what people are, are against mm-hmm. more than what they actually stand for. So, um, that's all part of authority. Love it. I love it. I want to kind of circle back to our earlier conversation about trust and authority within an organization. Once you've worked with a leader to help kind of refine and define the languaging around the vision and making sure that culture, um, that all of those things are kind of in alignment, you've established and you've created this trust and authority within an organization. How do you maintain it? Um, yeah. So, you know, so with the, so the, the big building blocks, uh, that keep it, keep any organization moving, it always comes down to these, the three, th- the three S's system strategies and structures, right? So systems are, have everything to do with the tools and resources and cadence, um, and even sequences of, of things that we do strategies have to do with goals and, uh, in the, what we're going to do, you know, so some of the tactics that, um, mm-hmm. uh, 
that and then and then structure has to do with the actual people that are sitting in seats that align. So it's not it's not a singular thing. So when it comes to sustainability of culture, sustainability of trust, sustainability of understanding, man, it's the leader that's willing to throw all three of those S's on the table and go, okay, what's working and what doesn't work, what aligns and what doesn't align. If a leader can get that down, because ultimately in the day, this does come down to a leader. If you are the higher up within within an organization you are, the more responsibility for the vision of the organization that you need to have. You need to be forward thinking as much as you possibly can. I don't consider a senior leader winning unless they can have 60% of their bandwidth actually scheduled and programmed to to be thinking future thinking. 60%, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's listening to this and they're like going, man, I am way more in my business than I should be. Well, we should probably talk because there's so much more that you can do if you've aligned these things right. Yeah. But then the people that are surrounding that senior leader, they have to be responsible for the sequence and communication strategy internally. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to behaviors, when it comes to expectations, when it comes to organizational values, these are massive because if you don't have a, a maintenance sequence in place to making sure that you're, you know, so when new people are coming onto the team, like for example, just to give you a, like a really quick example of this, um, one of my clients, they have a standing meeting that lasts for only 15 minutes every single Monday morning with the senior leader and the whole, uh, the whole leadership team. So about 75 people that are directors and managers and up, right? Yeah. So they gather in the lobby of uh, of, of their, of, of this business. And every single week they get together, they have nine core values that are a part of the organizational thing. And he Mm -hmm. brings a personal story that's attached to one of those values every single week. And so there's a sequence Mm -hmm. on rotation. So it catches the new people. It catches the old people. He brings other people up to share stories that reflect in those value sequences. Mm -hmm. So you have to have maintenance sequences in place in order for you to have any type of maintenance of culture. I like it. I love that. That's a great idea. Because yeah, because every like every, you know, business has, you know, a list of a list of core values for us, like we'll go over them, you know, once a quarter in the quarterly meeting and and just kind of do a, a little, you know, retrospective of the past three months, you know, did we take care of this? This do are we meeting these goals? But to do that every Monday morning with something personal right? With a story from, from not just from me, the leader, but maybe, you know, from other, other people on the leadership team, um, and, and giving other people equity in living those values. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's brilliant. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that at boxer. (laughs) Yeah. Run with it. You know, if you're, if you're not controlling the narrative, somebody else is, and that's, um, that's so important, you know, and that, and that, that's what ends up getting played out is that I, I I tell this story when I'm, when I'm speaking, but I remember probably three years ago, I was sitting in a, in a corporate C-suite boardroom to -hmm. where it was, this is really, really posh. Like everything was nicely, you know, marble table, glass windows all the way around. But at the very, very top of, of the room, there's a white border and they had these big, bold vision statements all the way around value statements all the way around the top of it. Got to the last one. It was number five of their five key operational values. And set. And it was weird because it was like all black and white and really nicely marketed and branded, you know? Yeah. But the last one was, it's not my job is something we will never say. Huh? And 
so I loved that, but then I then I started to go, is that aspirational or is that reality? Is this something that we're talking about on a consistent basis? Uh-huh. Or is this a reactionary statement that happened because somebody who was re- responsible in management decided that it wasn't their job to pick up, you know, c- cigarette butts out of the parking lot or something like that, right? Sure. And but because I know that senior leader, I know exactly that's what happened. I knew exactly that somebody told that senior leader that it wasn't their job and um but that, you know, something happened, right? Yeah. Is it aspirational or is it real? Are you controlling the narrative on your on your culture or somebody else? Interesting. Interesting. Um how do you handle situations where where trust and or authority have have been uh have been challenged or broken? I think that that's where I think that that's where the hard part is is that um understanding you know I think everybody has to define defining statements just like in a marriage you know what happens when trust is violated what's what happens when trust is broken especially in senior level leaders of teams i can't expect well first and foremost is that i i lead from a place of just saying i'm willing to give a certain level of trust to people when it comes to their character um, without them having to earn it you know like i i would i just choose to believe the best because i just don't have enough time to in my life to be paranoid to be, be paranoid, <laughs> but, um, but I do think though, at senior levels of leadership within an organization, trust is one of the biggest assets and one of the biggest values that you can actually have on your team. And once you understand this, then, um, in inviting people into those trusting circles, there is, there is a cost to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a cost to trust. Mm-hmm. If those trust things get violated at high levels of senior leadership, unfortunately the whole machine gets compromised. And so, you have to kind of face that as a senior leader of recognizing that um, you have to you have to protect understanding and you have mm-hmm. to communicate and you have to commit to it better than anything else that you're committed to. And then you have to have a certain level of consequence and price affiliated with trust, understanding that when you give that to somebody and they're they're sharing senior leadership with you, they have to also understand the consequence of violating it as well. So um, unfortunately, um, I've seen people, um, bounce back from, um, from big mistakes. You know, I've seen people bounce back from major leadership flaws. I've seen people bounce back from bad chemistry within the team. I rarely see leaders bouncing back from violations of trust within senior levels of leadership. Very rarely see it happen. Yeah. So that's, that's super important to, to guard and protect that. Yeah. And I think, it becomes, it becomes more, um, you do have those situations like, um, the by the Bob Iger situation with Disney to where somebody came in, took over as the CEO. What was the last guy's name? Uh, Chapek, Bob Chapek. I don't remember. I know Iger, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So Bob Chapek, you know, Bob Iger was the president of Disney for, for, yep. for a long time. And then Bob Chapek was his, his successor. And there were some things that after when Bob, when, uh, when Chapek came in to become the new president, there were some things that manifested in his in his style of leadership mm-hmm. that were unexpected. And so there was trust violations that happened. So Bob Chapek, or uh, yeah, Bob Chapek, he came back in um, on those types of things. You will have you will have situations where you know just as people kind of climb the corporate ladder and are ascending to different roles, relational dynamics change. Um, you'll have different dynamics that come to play, but when it comes to trust, 
a senior leader needs to know exactly the type of people they want to surround themselves with and put on their senior leadership teams so they yeah. can minimize risk when it comes to trust, because that's the biggest thing. Sure. Sure. Nice. You've worked with Fortune 500s and you've worked with s- small business entrepreneurs. Is Does, does trust and authority... Uh, within or without an organization, does that look different depending on the size of the organization? Does it become more complex and more difficult to manage in a larger corporate, in a larger business than it does in, uh, you know, a small agency, for example? Well, anytime that you add more people into the into the fold, the more complicated it will get. It really comes down to what have you developed and what do you sustain. Um, you know, so I'm talking to this, you know, to the solopreneur or the entrepreneur who's who's got a really great idea and they're really about, you know, just, they're going to go after it like crazy understanding. Like, it's really easy for me to sit down with somebody and say, Hey, listen, I have a blueprint that's going to take you to a seven, a seven figure uh, blueprint within the next 90 days, but we have to stick to the plan. You know, let's go ahead and, and dial this in. Um, those are fun conversations because you're able to see somebody actually developing their brand authority and their trust, uh, authority, uh, or tr- trust recognition recognition because, um, they're only developing the things that are completely in line with their vision and their values and who they truly are. So it, that's fun to see them discover those things and then work through that mm-hmm. organizations that are established, massive organizations that have multiple different fields to it. You just have to be really, really careful of the people that you end up putting in, in leadership situations and understand that a good 50% of that job portfolio, whether they're director or manager or senior leader within those teams, about 50% is simply uh, like brand representation mm-hmm. and value representation, product representation, uh, organizational presence uh, uh, representation. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part about it is, is that we have, so if you're a senior leader on a team, you have to recognize that you have two different brands that you have to represent and you don't have options. You have your personal brand and you have your organizational brand. Mm-hmm. If one of those things cancels the other out, you lose authority and trust immediately. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so the more people that you have in the fold, the more complicated it gets. So you have to be people that are willing to just manage, manage what that looks like. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I think um, I want to talk a little bit now. You brought it up about about branding, personal brand, right? Versus the the, the company's brand, the business's brand. Brands are brands are built on the ideas of trust and authority, right? Brands are not a physical entity. Brands kind of exist in the hearts and minds of, of the people, mm-hmm. uh, people who are subjected to uh, a, a company, a brand. What is, how important is a personal brand in, in 2023 moving forward? Um, and how does, how would a, a senior leader kind of, how would they, you know, I don't want to say balance isn't the right word. Um, how would they? How would how would someone make make their personal brand fit in with the business brand and make that make those two things coexist well? That's a great question, and I think it's easy, um, but it's hard when it doesn't work. <laughs> so I'll say that right away. But if you think about this, and tell me if you agree with this statement or not, is that is that so? In twenty twenty two, it might have been different ten years ago. Um, I would love to be able to hear guys' thoughts on this, like um, like Donald Miller and some other guys, you know, like the guys that are like championing like story brand and other things like yep. that. Yep. But I think where things have gone um, is that a brand is the, and so I, I want I want to make sure that you catch all this. 
but the definition of what a brand is in 2022, it's the it's the physical, emotional, visual, and tactical um, manifestation of your motivations. Okay. So again, it's so it's the manifestations of everything that's physical, visible, visual, and even somewhat practical of what are your motivations in the first place. Uh-huh. It's the things that people see that are attached to your why. It's uh-huh. the things that people feel that are attached to your why. So why are you doing this in the first place? So when it comes to managing your business brand versus your your personal brand, uh-huh. well, first and foremost, like, okay, I don't want, we hear a lot of people talking about abundance versus scarcity mentality. If I'm a senior leader within an organization, I don't want to bring anybody I don't want to have I don't want to have anybody on my team that's not willing to make a bigger difference in the world around us and I want to make sure that their own personal values and their motivations that they lock in with the motivations of the organization that they're serving it mm-hmm. okay why because when I make a senior leader uh their personal brand visible and people know what what's their methodology of thought process on, on leadership mm-hmm. what are they doing for self-development what's their family look like what are the things that they care about the most what's a relationship like with their kids are they dog people or cat people? Because that's definitely going to affect whether I'm going to work for them or not. Um, <laughs> right. But but again, though, it's like, okay, so all of a sudden retention rates are higher. All of a sudden now in a time where the employment field feels about, you know, where are we going to get the next workforce? That becomes a little bit harder to find. I was just talking with one of my senior leaders yesterday about the thousands upon thousands of dollars that they're spending daily to try to find right employees. Hmm. Well, Again, if the senior leader is putting it all on the table and they're consistently, you know, letting people in on the inside, letting them know what their personal brand is all about and how it aligns with their company brand, mm. they're going to attract the right things because we have to remind ourselves that whatever we make visible are the things that we attract. Mm. Nice. I like it. There's there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there. I think I agree. I think I, I agree with with most all of it. Um, I like the way that you. F- that you defined what a brand is in 2023. Did you get, is that, is that yours or did you get yeah, that? That's mine. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still, I still believe that it's ultimately like a brand exists in, like I said, the hearts and the minds of, of the people. But I, I like, I like the way you, you brought in the actual stuff from the organization, right? How it's, it's, it's the manifested out in the world as it's manifested all of the things that you bring to the world and your intentions and, and the way that the way that you are able to execute upon those intentions. Right. Right. Well, in, in, in context of this conversation in there, there are some different interpretations on all that. And I don't really have, um, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer except for when we're talking about, okay, how difficult is it to manage a personal brand versus your business brand? Mm-hmm. Well, the tension lies existing is that when the motivations of a senior leader doesn't match up or yeah. when the motivations of any team member doesn't match up, um, unfortunately, like as much as like, as much as um, retention rates need to get better in companies because people are starting to figure out, man, I can do anything I want anywhere I want. I can work from home if I want. I can, um, right. That's, that's like, People are figuring that out. Totally. But if somebody's motivations doesn't line up with the company's motivations, I would rather us just go ahead and agree to part ways sooner than later because eventually those motivations are going to manifest as something that's probably pretty ugly. 
And so we have to be okay with like, just going, okay, man, this is where the alignment between personal brand and business brand, we have to make sure that we're aligned. I mean, it all really, it kind of all circles back to what we talked about in the first five minutes where you, you have to really focus, define and, and refine your company's values because it's all coming down into that. And that's oh. what you're using as, as the, the kind of the, the North star to make sure everything below it is in alignment. Yeah, $281 billion were spent on marketing campaigns uh, in the United States in, tw- in the year 2020. So taking an internal message and going, okay, we're going to go ahead and communicate with people that are far away from us, that are unfamiliar. We're going to spend $281 billion. That's just a whole lot of cash, man. That's huge. <laughs> but in comparison, we've only spent 1% of that on internal communication strategies. It- like this is a massive gap. Like if yeah. we're not communicating and managing culture and creating consistency inside the companies and with the people that we love and we serve the most and making sure that everybody's in a safe place, everybody's on the same page, that we take that level of understanding and turn it actually into trust. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Like we're all screwed. Like this thing is just, this is going to get really complicated super fast. So, um, so, but there's, so there's a massive gap there. So, and that, and that's one of my own personal missions is that even though it's not sexy, you're not going to see me on social media or on LinkedIn or wherever, you're not going to see me going, Hey company, come work with me. And you're going to get a, you know, we're going to go ahead and increase your, your revenue by 10 times over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with one of the companies that we're working with, we've gotten a 5.7 times return in the last two years, you know, like, but some of these things are unprecedented, but I promise you, if you dial in and you get your internal communications right to where your internal communications are a reflection of the greater culture and vision and values that you have as senior leaders, and you make sure that your whole organization and enterprise is locked in, mm-hmm. your marketing becomes so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just speaking with another leader a couple weeks ago and said, you know, that $281 billion figure, I'm absolutely 100% positive that we can cut that in half for marketing expense by just shoring up our internal culture within mm-hmm. the companies that we serve. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because then the marketing would require less touch points to a sale? Yeah. Brand authority and credibility goes through right. the roof. And then just the overall uh, efficacy of, um, or even just the, uh, you know, like if you're, you know, like, of course you, I mean, you're, you're a, ma- a managing partner, a boxer, but imagine how low of an impact that you would have if you just weren't that excited about what Boxer was doing. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. I can promise you this, that people are listening to this and they're they're saying to themselves, man, I really wish that at least 50% of my organization were excited about what we do here. Mm-hmm. Well, you can change that. Mm-hmm. And you should change that. <laughs> yeah. Because if you change that, then every single one of your employees becomes your billboard. And, yeah. um, and that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, Michael, I want to be respectful of your time here. We're coming up on the hour. Uh, one more question for you. Can you share any any tips or strategies uh, with our viewers and listeners for building trust and authority, specifically in a digital environment, whether that's, you know, whether that's internally within a company or or externally? I think just kind of circling back on some of the things that we talked about. Um have reasonable expectations for what you're using your uh, your social media for. Um, you know, consistently bring value and um, and understand that that really is a little bit more about brand management. It's really more about value management than it is conversion strategy. Um, and so, I think 
I think we'll. I think it'll be really interesting in the next few years what what we see that space look like. I all I know is that I know that it's. Um, I know that it's almost like a necessary evil for us to consistently have drip campaigns and even have some funnels out there and things like that, just because everybody's doing it right now. But I also feel a lot of empathy of like knowing that there's a certain level of anxiety that I'm going to have when I log into my LinkedIn today. And I know that there's going to be 250 messages in there from people that are trying to sell me something. Hmm. I'm looking for partners and warriors that are going to live life with me. Mm -hmm. Not mercenaries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is like, you know what, I'll hop on discovery calls with people. If, if I know that you could be one of, one of our tribe, um, and I might do business with you, you know, but that's not, but I'm, but that's the thing that I'm constantly looking at. I'm looking at people that are long-term relationships. I'm looking for people that are going to be, you know, like I said, partners and warriors in, um, in what the future looks like. But if I feel like people are just simply out there trying to sell the next, the next thing, um, it doesn't do anybody any good. Um, and you've experienced this too. So yeah, so again, so have reasonable expectations, adjust your adjust your strategy on how you're using your social platform so you're consistently bringing value, serving your audience well, because when you serve your audience well and you understand you're bringing solutions to people's pain points without expecting anything in return, your credibility is going to go through the roof. I promise you that. Um, so yeah, so yeah, nice. I'll leave it at that. Um, on the topic, on the subject of authority, trust, company culture. Are there, uh, you know, one, two, maybe three books that you might recommend our listeners, viewers check out? Yeah. Um, John Michael Morgan's brand against the machine. It's 2012. It's a little bit dated, but great one. that's a great one. Fantastic book to read. Um, and he's also one of my coaches too, as well. So, um, great coaches always have coaches by the way. Um, and so I, because of my commitment to being a great coach, I, I have a couple of guys in my life that are priceless and he's one of those, um, and good to great. Mm. Jim Collins is another one that I'll say that, um, those are, those are kind of the two that, um, outside of story brand, Donald Miller, those are, those are three, um, really, really solid, solid that you just have to have in your arsenal. Awesome. Love it. Uh, Michael King, uh, coach to the greats. <laughs> where, can people, where can people connect with you online, my friend? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. So teams.coach is the name of my company. So we do a lot of things through teams.coach, through Facebook and Instagram. Um, but find me on, on LinkedIn as well. Shoot me a message. And also the Level Up Leader podcast with Michael King. Got to, got to, yeah, we have, we have some really, really cool things coming up uh, as well on that. It is a good one. That's a great one. Michael King, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you making the time. I want to shake your hand. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, brother. Take care, brother. Thanks to our listeners and viewers. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Authority's Edge with Michael Pacheco. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.